sun sets on another Inspire Pro event, Biss and I head home with our mops, <laughs> tuck ourselves into bed, and we are ready for our next event, Relentless. The last two events had been very difficult, fraught with a lot of drama backstage, moments that were difficult to overcome in terms of creativity, but we, we did it because you know what? We're badasses. <laughs> but there was something else that, you know, in spite of all the difficulty, kept us going. We'd actually been approached about doing some wrestling shows at a, an event called Fun 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 Fest. Yep. And that was a really big feather in our cap, a really big deal. But that's a story for another time. Yeah. On this episode <laughs> of Inspire Pro AD... We are going to discuss the Relentless event, which occurred before that. And how we had to be relentless to get to Fun 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 Fest. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, heading into this event, <laughs> we're motivated, right? Yeah. We're like, we're going to go see Judas fucking Priest yeah. <laughs> or some shit. And King Diamond. And King Diamond. Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Judas Priest is good enough. No, no. Let's stop. Juice Priest is at with King Diamond. That's the same show. That's so that's two thousand. They headlined. They headlined. Uh, they headlined Saturday, well, Friday, and then it was King Diamond the next night. There were no headliners. We, you and I, gave a shit about. Oh yeah. There's one thing that we have to touch on before we get too deep, and it involves a young guy who had already kind of caused us some consternation. <laughs> some yeah, he uh, he had. He had proven to be somewhat of a loose cannon, but still he was a superlative talent. Even for being so young, he was he was showing so much potential and he was always entertaining. And though hated, fans loved to watch him and they loved to hate him, which is perfect. That's a, that's that's a that's a tremendous recipe. And he had a lot of potential. Uh we are of course speaking of our first well actually our second uh uh J Crown winner and champion, Sammy Guevara. And he was not a part of this card because some uh, stuff occurred outside of the company that we had to address very directly. Yes. So right around this time, RCW experienced uh, a loss. Uh, and I think it, it touched a lot of people in the wrestling community. They had, a, they had a guy by the name of Aquaman, who was the ring announcer. Kind of a rotund guy. He wore an Aquaman costume. And he, was, he just had a great look. And he had a great energy. He was like my favorite thing that I saw at the RCW show when I went. And um, he he passed away very unexpectedly. Yeah. Little bit of background. Uh, I went to college with him. I did not know that. Yeah, we were we were friends in college. Uh, we were both parts of a the, a same group, uh, a student group at UTSA. So I knew him then. I didn't know that he liked wrestling. Um, but this was during the time that I was actually going to wrestling training. That I knew him, um, so I, I I knew him very well. It was very cool to see him when I did the couple of shows with River City Wrestling and to kind of catch back up. But yeah, we went to to college together, and I, I knew him very well from from that time. Yeah, so um, he was also a very charitable person. Yes, um, he was like I said, very much beloved. So when he passed. 
it was a definite blow to the community. It was uh, a blow to RCW's identity because he was such a huge part of those shows. In my opinion, when you when people talked about RCW, Aquaman was always in the sentence, yeah. no matter what. And it was it was a uh, it was a really difficult thing. Um, Sammy, who I won't say had very much sense at that point in time and, and still continues to defy logic with how stupid he can be with some of the shit that he says. Yes. Uh, made a public statement that said he was glad that Aquaman died because he'd rather see him dead than working with RCW any further. Basically. Yeah. And basically, people wanted to kill him. Yes. Um, in fact, if we had brought him back, I'm pretty sure Keith Lee would have fucking ripped his arms out and beat him to death with them. Probably. I mean, and fans made it very clear that they were not going to purchase tickets to a show that had Sammy Guevara on it. Yeah. And the basis of the professional wrestling business is that fans pay money to see the show. Your skill is how many people you can get into a building to pay to see you. If that number is negative, you cannot be on a show because of some dumb shit you said. You know? Yeah, but... And be, but beyond that, though, you know, the wrestlers in the back yeah. just would not would not tolerate his presence. And in fact, there was there there was a big there was a big swelling of, hey, if he shows up, we're gonna beat the shit out of him. And I gotta say, most locker our locker room, there were never squabbles. There were there was no, never anything that occurred like that. You know, while while we present the image of uh, you know uh, competitive uh, fighting. Um, violence isn't really something that's part of the backstage no. area. There's not a lot of acrimony. In fact, we were the no drama company. A lot of people who worked for us loved working for us because when you were backstage, it was fun, it was warm, and it was family. And if we had continued to have Sammy backstage, he would have really compromised that. And so we had to, very sadly, part ways uh, i think that we knew that you know he was going to have to really eat crow and have a lean period and and he did he yeah. did and uh yeah so anyway we had to kind of address that and now back into relentless so we're motivated to get to november and we have what what is probably another huge motivator and that we get to pay off an angle. I know Biss and I really love paying off angles. Mike Dell was scheduled to face one Raymond Rowe at Relentless. And this was going to be a big, big defense. We had we had basically played off some NWA history. Uh, and, we, and, and Mike and Rowe had faced each other in San Antonio. They'd had a match before Mike became champion where Mike... Uh, had lost, and this was going to kind of bring the story full circle where Mike, as champion, overcame this massive obstacle. Yeah. But and, then something happened heading into yeah, the show. And I mean, part of part of that first match, you know, negotiating that with Mike was, hey, down the road, you're going to get this win back. So we've built up to it. We're at the point. We have Raymond Rowe, who's on fire uh, on the indie scene, had great matches for us. Chris Hero, Matthew Palmer... You know, all across the board, Robert Evans. Um, and he is going to challenge Mike Dell for the championship. And shortly before the event takes place, Raymond Rowe is in a motorcycle accident where he is thrown through the 
driver's side window, rear driver's side window of a car, and basically ejected out the other side. Um, survives somehow, but is, you know, broken arm. Uh, his face is, is messed up. I get a picture of just half of his face covered in blood. Um, basically in the middle of the night, um, you know, a very, very shocking turn of events when you have a guy so, so strong, you know, and, um, yeah, it just kind of completely throws us for a loop, uh, throws the entire creative process into, into chaos. And I think this is the point where as a company, we have a chance to, to do something big. And we're going to do something big <laughs> on this episode of Inspire AD. Howdy. If you don't know by now, I'm Max, one half of the ownership of Inspire Pro here in Austin, Texas. And I'm here with Justin Bissonette, the uh, the better half. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. Yeah, anyway. Depends on the day. <clears throat> so, yeah, boy. Shit's dark. It's yeah. about to get a hell of a lot darker. We're grateful, though, that Raymond Rowe... Is indestructible, yes. <laughs> but still, there's just no way he's going to be ready for that for that that date coming up. And um, you know, I I really, I I really didn't. I felt like we needed to do something big to make up for this match, and so obviously we had intended for Mike Dell to drop coming up. He'd done everything he could do for the title. Um. The rhythm, the rhythm that I saw the championship maintaining was that Mike Dell was a great first champion. He polished up the belt. He made the belt matter. He had a string of phenomenal defenses. If you put his defenses on a DVD, they're beautiful. And then he would, of course, drop the belt to somebody who the belt could help elevate. And after that, the rhythm of it is it drops to somebody else of note. And, you know, you kind of you kind of ebb and flow with it. It helps make people, but also you use guys to elevate the title. Dell certainly elevated the title. Um, it would have been amazing if we had done what we envisioned, which was Dell versus Roe, with Mike getting his yeah. win back over Roe. It would have been an epic final defense for Mike. I feel Mike felt that not getting that really soured his run a bit yeah so i will i'll take the reins on presenting uh mike's side of it here um because i was the one in communication with him for for a lot of this uh mike's side was that he was disappointed that he had lost this uh match that he was really looking forward to uh and then we presented him with that we were going to make a title change and to him it, it just like took him to a new low, low right it was uh, another shot to him. It was a double loss. Yeah. And and but the thing is is that when you lose this match that you've been building to for the better part of a year, you have to replace it with something big. Yeah. And there really wasn't anything that we could think to do that that was that, that would feel as massive as a title change. Yeah. And we, yeah. To sum it up, we had to make a decision that was best for the company, not best for Mike Dell at this point. Yeah. You know. Um and that was that was hard to communicate, and it got it got dicey. It got very <clears throat> dicey. I was, I think Mike was unhappy. He was pissed. I know I was pissed. Um, I was, uh, I was excited to do a title change. I was excited to do something that really kind of meant a new turn. I wasn't. I wasn't 
eager to get rid of Mike as a champ, but I was eager to do something that was creatively big and made the show feel historic. Uh, because, like I said, you lose you lose this this pinnacle matchup, so you have to go into it swinging. I think the comment that was made that really put stuff off the rails, and to this day I'm not sure if it was a sincere comment or a desperation comment, but the comment, the comment that was made and really changed how we operated going forward was that Mike Dell physically had the belt. And Mike made the comment, well, what happens if I just don't show up? And I think that really spun this into a tailspin. That, yeah, I, I, we were bent over a rail. He, <clears throat> he had the belt hostage. And I was really disappointed with that because I felt like we had been really um, favorable to Mike. Not everything had been perfect, but we had shown him a lot of respect. And I felt that I understood that losing the title was hard. But I think sometimes people in this business tend to take things like that too seriously. Because at the end of the day, the belt is a prop, right? And Mike was a guy that I didn't think needed the belt. I thought he could have done other stuff. I was excited to do other stuff with him. He could have been a natural contender. That's how you build history. He couldn't He couldn't have sat on the belt forever. Absolutely. And at, at the same time, I think what we're dealing with was, you know, his perspective of it and then what we needed out of it. Um, and that, that required a lot of massaging to to make this happen we had to and we had to like really um we had to really figure out how we were going to do this because there were a lot of issues logically with this show i think initially we wanted to put the belt on on dalton yes we had planned for that to happen but what we were going to do was we were going to open the show by having Jax dane the owner of bow uh he'd been doing some work on tna at that point we were going to do this match where Dalton would wrestle Jax Dane and get an opportunity to wrestle for a title and then come out and wrestle Mike Dell later that night. But the idea was that it would have made Mike look kind of weak at that point in time. Yeah. It, it, because, you know, here he is. He gets his ass thrown around by Jax at the start of the show and then comes out and he wrestles a fresh Mike Dell. Mike doesn't go over. So... <clears throat> Palmer, ever the guy always wanting to help things along and also not always not always willing to put himself first, uh, fits into the equation. And so we arrive on this, this conclusion where we kind of visit Matthew Palmer as a contender here for Mike. And the thing is, is that we had teased Mike and Matt at the onset, there should have been something with Matt and, and Mike in ACW, but because Mike had to leave the company very unceremoniously, we never got that match. So for me, it was kind of a kind of a dream occasion and a chance to do something really unique. And people, fans, fans really wanted Palmer versus Mike Dell. I, I even think that at some point we posed online, yes, Roe is hurt. This is what's going on. Yeah. Who do you think Mike should wrestle? Yeah. And we... We came across where the story was that Mike would pick his opponent, mm -hmm. right, at the yeah. end of it. So let, let's dive into the card. 
Yeah, I, I do want to say, though, that I remember when Mike walked in with the belt and I felt good. Mike, I remember Mike said he, I looked like I was ready to fucking fight. <laughs> um, I know, and I know Mike, that, you know, honestly, I'm going to say this, like, I'll fucking pick a fight with a lot of people. Mike is kind of a legit scary guy. Yeah. Like he, I mean, I know that guy's, he's a, he's a, he's fit. He's got a temper <laughs> and he'll box your ears off. Yeah. Isn't just like me. Um, and so, I mean, I remember like us both just kind of standing there with our jaws grinding and we're just, and he's like, and he's like, you okay? And I'm like. Yeah, are you okay? <laughs> we're saying this to each other through our teeth. We're just not. We're, we're we're both like in a bad bad mental state, and we finally arrive. And what we're what we're going to do? And so we just kind of press play, and there we go. Yeah, and I I made a very egregious error there. New Jersey guy. New Jersey, even yes, worse. Yes. Ooh, New yeah. Jersey Italian. Yeah, just piling on the so. insult this episode. <laughs> no offense, Mike. We love you. Yeah, and people may not know the background, but Mike has legitimately knocked out guys that have you know been dicks to him yeah um he's it's always in the defensive mode so i've I've never heard mike like aggressively going after somebody it's always been somebody uh being a dick to him but mike's a guy that is known for being able to handle his business when it needs to be done i have been in nearly 40 fist fights in my 18 years of living in austin and i've never lost one so I'm not really shy to back down from a fight, but there's no way in fucking hell I would ever want to fight Mike Dill. <laughs> not not at all. So, you know, just take take that. I mean, I was not looking forward to yeah. this this initial encounter, and, but we got through it and uh yeah, man, let's do let's let's dive in. Let's this. dive in. And somebody that helped smooth a lot of this over, Jack Stain. Jack right? was first phenomenal. Time, first time yeah. that we had him. So Dalton and, and Jax are the first matchup, and we had had a meeting with Jax, where Jackson told us, if I had a tryout match for TV, I'd want it to be against Dalton. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where the seeds of this started. So we've got to keep Jax strong. Jax is a strong part of the NWA at this point. Uh, we need to get Dalton over. Um, we, at this point, have representation from photographers that are sending pictures back to Japan. So at this point, I think Jack said he had his first. Yeah, he'd had his first trip to New Japan. Yeah, and Hoyt was a part of New Japan. So I had this. I was like fishing for some some exposure in Japan. That if we put Hoyt and Jax in the same ring, hey, maybe we get these pictures over there. Who knows, right? When you're a promoter, you got to take these stabs at this type of stuff. So what happens is Jack Stane comes out. I'm sorry. Jackson Dalton are, are wrestling. Lance Hoyt comes out, stares it down Jack Stane. Big boot to Dalton, beats his ass. DQ, Dalton wins. And then there's my favorite thing in wrestling. We have a pull apart between Jack Stane and Lance Hoyt. Um, which I just love. And this I is, love this the is, chaos. This is a title opportunity here. Yeah. Dalton... So, By virtue of DQ, has just won a title shot. Yeah. And and Hoyt has cost Jax. My idea is we build up to these two huge dudes, right? And uh, we, we do that somewhere down the line. Maybe we get some attention from Japan because they're both, both New Japan guys at that time. Um, and then we go into... The second match, we got to kind of go backwards for a moment. Yeah, we got, we got to touch on. We had said that Kyle Hawk had been incapacitated. 
at the at the start of the last show, there's there's that six man match, and um, yeah. So Kyle, what happened to that match story wise? We kind of glossed over was that Kyle had actually been laid out by a new faction that we were working on, and we had brought back Jeffrey Gant, as well as two students that we had met at the AAPW school, DG Taylor and Zach Taylor. They were legitimately brothers, and what we had done was we were going to repackage Gant as the leader of this faction called the Orphans, obviously riffing off of the film The Warriors, where there's a gang called the Orphans, and they're ragtag, and they all wear these army green shirts and jeans. And this is basically where I got the idea for the faction. I put them in jeans and maroon shirts, and ultimately what my, my goal is to have a lot of wrestlers that don't typically fit the T-bill. A lot of people um, a lot of people have a very specific idea of the way wrestlers should look. And I think that there are a lot of wrestlers that don't necessarily fit that mold, but who still do great work. Uh, DG and Zach cut fairly lean figures. They're very skinny looking kids at that point. Gant, of course, is on the smaller side. And I love the idea of creating this faction that simply overwhelmed people by their numbers. And they would all wear jeans and maroon shirts. And that's where we were going with this. We were actually going to give Gant a fairly big push where he was always kind of backed up by this safety and numbers kind of click. And it was at the previous event where this trio attacked uh, Kyle Hawk and knocked him out. And we had plans going forward. But as things often do, they went off the rails a little bit here, and we had an issue with Gant. Yeah, card subject to change. Um, so in, in this next match, we have the Hollywood Knives taking on the Orphans, DG and... Zach Taylor. And Zach in fact, I, I, I don't necessarily even think it was supposed to be them in particular. I think Gant was supposed to be in this mix. So in this next match, we were debuting D.G. Taylor and Zach Taylor uh, as a tag team against the Hollywood Knives. And this team would be giving the Hollywood Knives their first defeat. Yes. So, I mean, the biggest thing here, Bradley Axel Dachson. He's knocked knocked out out on the outside. Quote, unquote. Uh, Quoting, knocked (laughs) out. Air quotes, yeah. And the Orphans get the better of Steve O'Reno. And you hear the one, two, three, and the bell ring, and Bradley Axel Dachson jumps up, jumps up to celebrate. Except for they Steve lost. didn't win this. Steve didn't win, <laughs> and of course Bradley, angry, takes it out on Steve and beats Steve, like attacks Steve physically, which I think Steve fights back from. Yeah, it's and, a it's about fifty fifty. Yeah, and so the knives have disintegrated. Steve has he, he's he's his partner's been exposed, and he uh, and 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 they are no longer the Hollywood Knives, and now he's not he's not obligated to his partner. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, and that story will uh, will take a turn down the road. Now coming it, up, actually. Now it is just Steve. Just Steve. So speaking of just people or that people, we go into. Mr. B versus Scotty Santiago. What do you mean, that people? Whoa. Um, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that guy. Calm yeah. down. Politics. Uh, Mr. B versus Scotty Santiago in a street fight, uh, a wild brawl. 
all around the uh the Marquesa. Yeah, Hall and this Theater. was this was fun. Um I got I got some criticism about this. Uh but you know what? It was different. I think I think it might have been Jax who said, There's nobody in the theater, brother, and it's like, <laughs> who gives a shit? The bar's out there anyway, yeah. right? Anyway, yeah, they brawled to the uh, the the lobby and into one of the bathrooms. The women's bathroom. Yeah, the women's bathroom. Yikes! This, Cancel culture. There's men's in the <laughs> ladies' room. Uh, yeah. So they, you know, they 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 brawl back, and Mr. B soundly defeats Scotty Santiago <laughs> in this in this uh, unconventional yeah. street fight, which the fans ate alive. Yeah. They and, loved it. But also. To our defense, this is the first time we'd we'd ever done anything yeah. like this. So, get you off know, it back. may it may have taken people out of the hall. It didn't take them out of the venue. In no. fact, it took them into the lobby. And you know what? You want people in the lobby buying drinks, yeah. and and that 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 did that did us a favor. And people did come back. I mean, it wound up back inside the hall. People followed them back. It was chaos, but it was wonderful chaos. And it it didn't it didn't detract from the show, and it certainly helped the bar ring. I remember. <laughs> Halfway through this match, uh, Rudy Boy Gonzalez showed up to check out our show. Oh, man. Like, this was the first thing he saw was, like, B and Scotty brawling in the women's bathroom. But whatever, you know. And anyway, we actually had another NWA women's, uh, women's title defense here. Yeah, so this was our own homegrown Athena was the IWA... Women's champion, which would, you know, Jessica Havoc, I think is who she took it off of. But that women's division was was highly renowned. So we had her against Barbie. She actually wore the belt out, which, you know, is is a big deal. deal. And um, Barbie was able to defeat Athena. Do you remember the finish to this? I do not, actually. So this was this was a so. Um, this was a fun callback to one of my my favorite finishes. So Athena actually hits the O face, pins Barbie, but Barbie's foot is on the ropes or through the rope, and the referee catches it after the three count. So it's a bit of a dusty finish. So they restart the match. Barbie hits her fin- her Halo DDT on Athena. Athena gets her foot on the rope. Referee counts one, two. At two, Barbie knocks the foot off the rope. Three gets the win. And it's this cool little pseudo heel turn for Barbie so that we can um, pair her up. Because right now, the major heel group that we have, the bookmarks, we've kind of put the kibosh on. They're out to pasture, and we so need, we we need, need somebody. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of subtly turn Barbie here. Yeah. Very subtle. Very effective. I remember it now, um, but I remember that match being pretty fucking on fire. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. That that Athena <clears throat> could uh, could do some wrestling. Yep. Back then. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to her? Uh, yeah. yeah anyway. Her. So up next. So this is this is an interesting uh, this is an interesting scenario because we had two guys who had two different matches scheduled. Each of their opponents. Uh, didn't show up due to uh, <laughs> similar reasons. Similar reasons, actually. Yeah, uh, we can talk about this now. This is really where I soured on Gant and why I never really wanted him back. And um, it was because we had gone to the trouble of 
ushering in this gimmick for him and really putting him at the center of this thing. And we had really major plans for him. And I think it was because he had some weird job opportunity with like a pharmacy or some bullshit like that. I what, definitely that could have been. Yeah. And uh, and he said, yo, I'm, he said something really fucked up to me. Something something about how I couldn't expect him to make this his priority. Yeah. And so I said, well, if this is how you feel, then we don't need to do business again together because other people are relying on you. We're relying on you. And this is still business. This yeah. isn't a hobby. So, and he said to me, well, for me, it is a hobby. And that's when I was like, no, nah, yeah. you're, you're fucking done. So one of the people that was relying on him was Gary J. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Jeff had moved to St. Louis. So we had, we budgeted out enough that we could fly Gary down and then he needed a ride back to St. Louis. And Jeff, I think was either moving to St. Louis or had just moved to St. He Louis. He just moved to St. Louis. So, which I think was this whole pharmacy deal was getting a job up there. So we needed someone that could fly Gary back. Well, Jeff pulls out. Now we've lost our ability to get Gary back home. Um, so we look into one-way flights, and it's just it's cost prohibitive. We just can't can't afford. I, it. I mean, we're talking about the week of, right? Um, so we end up telling Gary just to to stay home. Um, you know, which sucks for him because now he's counting on a booking that that day and isn't getting it right. So yeah, it was supposed to be Gary versus Ricky Starks and Jeff versus Franco. So we just pair Starks and Franco. Um, so there's, and they kind of cover this in the, the pre-match promo. There's no real heat built up storyline wise between Ricky Starks and Franco D'Angelo. Not, not story wise at least. Yeah. um i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i don't think either of these guys were particularly fond of one another in fact i know franco was not hot on ricky i don't think i think and i also think that that largely maybe franco represented a type of wrestling and mentality that ricky didn't appreciate yeah I, I know that there was there was very much at that point in time a guard yep. in wrestling that was a, a section of people. And Ricky was the kind of guy that was on the outside of that. And so there was this, this, uh, this idea that Ricky was more than likely kind of like people weren't going to do business for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, that's putting it delicately. This show in particular kind of represents a passing of the guard. So yeah, I think that's it does. a good way to put it. So the orphans come out now with new member Sky Delacromosa. We're, we were, yeah, we're in the middle of uh, we're in the middle of this this singles match with Franco and Ricky. And because of I think the acrimony here, the idea for me is to take the orphans, which we put Sky Delacromosa in, and we have them come out and interrupt the match. That way, neither guy has to kind of shuck and and shaw about like oh i don't want to fucking take the pin for this guy you know because that's the way i took it i don't you know i'll say i don't give a fuck i don't think franco didn't like ricky ricky didn't like franco i didn't think it would have been a good idea to throw these guys together at the very last minute with no story i figured i could get a little bit of mileage out of this down the road by having the orphans come out and fuck with them 
Sky was a last-minute addition. He was totally into doing it. He was a guy that I actually had kind of envisioned putting in the stable along with Jason Silver anyway because those guys kind of... They kind of fit the mold of being unconventional performers. Anyway, the, 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 the orphans come out. Ricky and Frank have to band together to fight them off. And that's how that ends. And it builds toward another match down yeah. the road. Yeah, Palm, Palmer comes out to even the odds, so we get... Yes, sir. A little three-on-three action there. That's a trios. So, another... Another matchup was much more professionally difficult to deal with, but was still difficult a bit here. Uh, Hoyt and Showtime. Uh, this became the third match in a row we were asking Hoyt to do favors. Yeah. Which was not something that we thought about because of all the other bullshit going on. Um, I, I think I was really on edge about it. And, um, of course, Scott is continuing his... He's continuing his uh, WCCW Renegade title reign. Which is, uh, this is slowly coming to a head. Yeah. So, uh, Hoyt does business here and, but, you know, I think we, we kind of bring it up and he brings up like, Hey guys, like, I don't mind coming in here and I'll, I'll make it make sense, but I'm losing a lot. Right. Yeah. So, uh, definitely became something we, Oh fuck. We got to think about this. Too. Yes. Um, so after this match, another, uh, Greg Simon's moment where he comes out and gets in showtime's face um and at this point greg actually announces that he is going to step away from his role as the authority figure for inspire um and that he is going to go deal with personal demons which the crowd does not buy for a second (laughs) (laughs) and like uncomfortably fucking uh booze him over um they, it was not the reception that we were thinking no. he would get. Yeah. He was a legit he was legitimately dealing with some personal stuff. He comes out and he says, I have some things, some personal things, some physical <laughs> things that I need to deal with. And I remember that there is a guy by the name of Ewing who was a uh, a quadriplegic who was in the chair <laughs> in the front row. And Greg is talking about all of his physical detriments and why this prohibits him <laughs> from being the GM. And this guy screams, "Oh fuck you!" Yeah. And that was it. It, yeah. it did not. It did not flow like we wanted yeah. it. Yeah, I think uh, Showtime grabs the mic and kind of redirects it, uh, and then Greg jumps Showtime from behind. It's it's just not what we were expecting. No, they no. tried to save it, but um, this. Of course, is another reason why um, I'm taking kind of more of the the lead on more of the authority figure stuff. This is this was actually supposed yeah. to set up uh, a match at uh, at a later event where <clears throat> if 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 Greg could defeat Scott, he would just have to leave and take his belt with him. Yeah, and if Scott beat Greg. It was going to legitimize the his renegade title, and he would present him with an actual legit title within the company. And this was supposed to really start kind of this... I, I want to call it, I guess, phase two yeah. of this storyline. Should I, should I pitch it now, or should I wait? Yeah, go ahead. So the idea was that Scott was going to beat Greg to legitimize his title, and that title would become the pure prestige title that we later began. That later became the primary title in the company. I wanted to do this storyline where we had one champion with a secondary title. And, of course, he would go on to face somebody 
Later on down the road, who was the pure, the uh, Inspire Pro title uh, champion, what was supposed to happen was there was going to be a title versus title match where nobody lost the title, but they were jockeying for title rankings. So that eventually did happen as a match, but it didn't happen with Scott and Ricky. No. that's okay. Ricky Starks was who I had in mind to eventually face Scott. I was going to put the title on Ricky and... You know, he was going to face Scott Summers, and there was going to be this moment where Ricky got his win back over Scott, which he had had a match with Scott several shows ago. Scott was the victor. And we were going to just revisit that history, play upon it, and we were going to have Scott ultimately lose and and, and uh, Ricky continue to go on as the uh, Inspire Pro champion. It was It was a cool idea. But there are things. <laughs> there are things to come. Card subject to change. Man, not, yeah, dude. It is beyond yeah. that. It's like I had this really beautiful Life story and subject yeah, to change. I had the Scott Summers trio called Oni, where they were defending the Pure Prestige belt, and and Greg had Gabe Roach and another guy that was supposed to come in and be his trio, you know, and then just everything just fell the fuck apart. But that's a tale we'll have to go <laughs> further into when we get to Battle Wars next. Yeah. But that's uh. That's the next show. But going on from here, um, we go into uh, Jojo Bravo versus Jordan Jensen, which is a really interesting thing because we had kept this angle going for like a year. Ten shows. Ten shows. Over a year. That this, this, is a, this is an angle where these two guys were beefing, and it was just going on and on and on. It's a show that it, it's a storyline. And even still, I will say this. Jojo Bravo, later Jay Sirius, his storyline has been one that's been evolving for the entirety of Inspire Pro's career. You can trace his history back to the very first show, and his storyline is the, is one of the only ones that's really remained consistent and continuing. And it's I'm really proud of that. But this is a this was a great match. Yeah. JoJo picks up the victory, uh, gets the win, and uh, forgives Jensen after yeah. the match, which is kind of something. You don't see and was kind of new, shakes his hand and puts an end to the feud that way. Yeah, that it gets to this match, which was it started building at our very first show, and here we are. And yeah, JoJo buries the hatchet with Jordan, and it's kind of a, a strange moment where Jensen's what I guess uh, you know he, he had used Jensitivity to kind of swerve everybody, but he kind of comes around to it and. He doesn't really even know how to how to react, but they they yeah. hug it out at the end. Yeah, and it, it's a fun deal where JoJo is basically like, "You you can still hate me if you need to, but I'm letting this go. Yeah, I'm gonna forgive you." It's it's a great moment. So then we come into <laughs> deep breath. Okay, the the main event, which is phenomenal. It's Mike Dell and it's Matthew Palmer. It's everything that you would expect. Yeah, so yeah, Mike Dell comes out. We have not named publicly yeah. his, uh, his who he's going to be defending the title against. And Mike comes out and cuts a great promo that really explores his history with Matthew. In fact, he makes it make more sense with his promo, I think, than, you know, than we could have uh, in write-ups. But he really sells the match to the crowd. And, and I think that he did himself justice by doing that. And he did Matt a lot of, a lot of justice, too. And they have... What is a fucking incredible match? Yeah. I just recently rewatched this and just phenomenal. Pro's pro. 
stuff. Insane. Um, Just an insane... It, it is the match that was alluded to yep. many years ago, and we finally get it, and it is everything that you want it to be. The crowd is on their feet the entire time. And then, of course, Matt gets the pin, and he gets the title, <laughs> and everybody jumps on their feet. Yeah. I think there were some tears. People were really, really excited. Yeah. And and I'm not sure where it happened, but somewhere along the way, Palmer has turned babyface yes. too, right? Yes. It might Kind of naturally. Yeah. It might have been right here. Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> here Andy, comes Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's music hits. Yep. And he comes out. And in the blink of an eye, undoes all the feel-good <laughs> moment. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's really incredible. He comes out, he's the contender, and he cajoles Matt in this real like great back-to-the-future Marty McFly <laughs> moment where he basically calls Matt a chicken shit and says, yeah, if you were a real champion, you'd wrestle me now, blah, 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 blah. Everybody else is saying, Matt, you don't have to do this, but yeah. Matt is just fuck like, you. no, fuck you, we're doing this. And it, it, it happens in a very quick succession. Matt is spent from unloading on Mike and giving it his all, and he just comes up short. He does not have what it takes to beat Andy, and Andy pins him for the title. Yeah, And I'll say here, and if Matt's listening, I hope that he's getting a Pop-Tart or something right now just so that he doesn't hear me put him over. But Palmer's control of just the crowd's emotion, the timing of this entire segment, you know, I'll get Dalton, just to be able to anticipate the reactions and how people would react and, and setting up the falsies and this, this short little exchange is such a master class. Um, it's, it's really well done. Um, and I take my hat off. And what that leads to is that we've really kind of had a changing of the guard at this moment, right? So we've gone from the Mike Dell, the Mike Dells, um, the Francos, the old guard, the Showtimes for, it's not really apparent here, but it's going to be coming very soon. And this new guard, the Andy Daltons, the Ricky Starks, the Matthew Palmers, right? Um, are coming into their own. The Steve O'Renos are coming in and it's their time. Mark two. And they're about to take over. Right. Yeah. So we are butting up against the end of what we call season one and season two, this young crop, this new generation, if you will, is going to really take the bull by the horns and start taking these, these spots. And I think this show, this show is a milestone not only is it our 10th show, but it's a milestone because that's kind of where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, boy. Well, here we are at the end of this, this whole moment, uh, this, this phenomenal moment. We also have to really drive home how despised Andy Dalton is. He is already hated. And he's kind of perceived to be, you know, this lower level chicken shit that can wrestle and he's disgusting and people hate him. But we catapult him into absolute prominency here when he takes the title and people are ready to fucking riot at the end of the show. And even though we send the crowd home absolutely upset, they're still compelled. They want to see what's going to go on next, what's going to happen next. And even though, like I said, it's a, it's, it, this is an empire strikes back moment. When I'm cleaning up the hall that night, I'm beaming. 
I know I'm beaming yeah. and I know I feel good because I know that we had people in the palms of our hands and we did something incredible. And I think this is a point for us too where I'm I'm kind of realizing that no matter what, no matter what's thrown at us, no matter what goes wrong, we are really good at what we do. And we are so good at what we do that we can't quit. Even though I know that we have fun, fun, fun on the horizon. And even more importantly, Battle Wars, which is yeah, a massive, deal. massive deal, is on the horizon. We're about to work with some phenomenal people from Chikara Pro, including Bryce Rimsburg. We know that's happening. I think in a lot of ways, as we're approaching these things, we know that we've earned it and we're good enough for it because of this event. So next time, we will dive into the Battle Wars. Battle Wars. All right, see you guys next time.